Welcome to Healthy Habits, Happy Homes with the Guelph Family Health Study, where we share research and practical tips for applying it to your own family. Each week, we'll bring you evidence-based health information from experts. Our quick tips will help you create healthy habits for a happy home. Welcome to this week's episode of Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. My name's Catherine, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about marketing to children. I know many parents listening to this will be very familiar with the term pester power or kid influence. If you've ever taken a child grocery shopping, you know how hard it can be to actually leave the store with the healthful foods that you were planning on buying. Um, And that's um, not a a mistake. Marketers have really figured out that children have tremendous buying power um, and they also have tremendous influence on family purchasing. Um, It's been estimated that children influence more than a trillion dollars of spending in North America each year. And so later in today's episode, Eli and I will be talking with Dr. Tirta Dar from the Department of Marketing and Consumer Studies at the University of Guelph about how marketers really do target children. But first, I wanted to share some updates um, from some Canadian information regarding a Senate bill, um, which is Bill S228, that really targets and talks about this issue of marketing to children. And given that children are so um, influenced by these ads, it is concerning that it's really, really hard to avoid advertising. Uh, We see commercials when we watch TV, when we're on the internet, there'll be um, sidebar pop-ups. Companies have created entire websites with fun games advertising their products to children uh, in schools, daycares, um, in the grocery stores, and even non-grocery stores. We see food advertisements literally everywhere we go. When thinking about TV commercials specifically, a 2017 study out of the University of Ottawa looked at the food and beverage advertisements that Canadian children were exposed to, and they found that on children's TV stations, um, children are exposed to over 10 advertisements related to food and beverages per hour, Um, and typically the foods that were advertised were considered less healthful. Unfortunately, this study also found that Canada had the highest amount of food and beverage advertising to children um, in comparison to the other countries looked at, including, including Australia, New Zealand, Spain, and the United Kingdom. And so this really highlights that in Canada, we do need a strategy to target marketing towards children. Given the need to address the marketing of food and beverages to Canadian children, uh, previous Senator Nancy Green Rain introduced Bill S228, which was um, a legislation to amend the Food and Drug Act, prohibiting food and beverage marketing directed at children. So Bill S228 um, was really aimed at limiting um, beverage, food and beverage marketing to children under the age of 13. And it focuses on the labeling and packaging and advertising of foods directly to children, um, which also includes um, a ban on the use of testimonials by cartoons or uh, characters that are considered heroes um, to, to young children, um, including celebrities. Um, there'll also be a ban on advertising uh, food and beverages in schools and daycares, and there'll be no uh, prizes to be associated with food, including prizes in cereal boxes and with um, children's um, 
meals at restaurants. This bill is something that I am really excited about, and later in the episode when you hear from Dr. Dar about all of the tactics that marketers use to target children, um, I truly believe it's something that will be beneficial for Canadian families. It'll not only make it easier to bring healthy foods home, but will be less exposed to marketing in general and advertising. It'll not only be easier to bring healthy foods home, but there'll definitely be less pester power uh, when we're out. Um, Children won't be exposed to advertising of food and beverages literally everywhere they go. If you would like to learn more about Bill S228, um, can visit the website stopmarketingtokids.ca. It includes lots of great information about the bill and its efforts to prohibit the marketing of food and beverages to children. And it also has lots of great information on the advocacy work that the Stop Marketing to Kids Coalition um, is doing in this area. Today we're joined by Dr. Terta Dar from the uh, Department of Marketing and Consumer Studies at the University of Guelph. And Dr. Dar is particularly interested in how marketing can be used to be uh, targeted to children. Hi, Dr. Dar. Hello. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. I know that, um, you know, feeding kids is difficult, but even bringing healthy foods home from the grocery store can be really challenging. Um, So how do marketers target children in particular? Children does have uh, do have significant influence in uh, household consumption behavior and household expenditure behavior. In the food category, globally, it's around seventy to eighty percent influence on the expenditure on food wow. because uh, when, especially in a smaller family, micro families where only there are two, one or two kids, kids do have significant influence uh, what uh, parents buy from the grocery stores or which restaurant they go to. So kids definitely uh, can uh, change the share of the wallet Mm -hmm. in expenditure. That that pester power. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And so what kind of tactics do marketers use? They know that kids, um, you know, in small families potentially have you know, or 50% of the the opinion. So how, how do marketers, like what tactics do they use? Children are easier to influence. Uh, the reason is that, you know, a lot of the time, the biggest challenge to children face is that they cannot uh, differentiate between facts, facts and fiction. All advertising, all marketing campaigns, a lot of the time combines facts with fiction. And a lot of the time, the claims cannot be, uh, uh, like, you know, it's very difficult to uh, understand the purpose or reasons for the claims. Uh, For example, if, say, Magnol says, uh, our, you'll have the best experience with our burger. Like, you know, how do you interpret that? Uh, Children do have a very difficult time to interpret those kind of uh, language or those kind of claims. Uh, uh, Children are also easier to influence in terms of brand preferences uh, because a lot of the advertising is about creating these brand preferences. Uh, So uh, for that reason, uh, a lot of the time, it's easier to target children than to adults. Um, in the marketplace. Yeah, interesting. I even notice it in the grocery stores when you've got a shopping cart, all of the, the kids' cereals are at 
perfect um, eye, like level. eye level, right, when yes. they're sitting in the cart. So that can't be by mistake. Definitely not. Uh, well, there are two reasons. One reason is that most of the eye level products are the products that are sort of what we call high traffic, high volume products. So those are the products that moves very quickly. Uh, so you want to keep them at a very easy reach of parents or anyone. Obviously, it also helps kids because they can see those cereals easily and then obviously they can ask their parents to buy those cereals. Uh, yeah, and that's a great example of how, you know, marketing is used in the grocery store. Right, and it, it sounds like then it's hard to avoid the marketing because not only are we getting it in the grocery store, it's on TV, it's on, if we're surfing the internet, it's there as well. Yes, uh, marketing, uh, I always tell my students that it's ubiquitous, whatever you go, whatever you do, there will be some level of marketing going on some places. And we are, technically we are also marketing ourselves, like, you know, when we are communicating with someone else, uh, we are uh, when you are in a job interview you are marketing yourself so marketing is ubiquitous uh, the biggest challenge for us is to train our stu uh, students or educate our kids in terms of uh, how to interpret marketing right and so what do you what are your tips for parents then in terms of teaching their kids about the sneaky marketing? Uh, first of all, uh, one thing they sh we should all do and even the government policies should focus on is to limit uh, marketing campaigns targeting children. Uh, I think that will be definitely helpful. The other part is uh, how you educate your children in terms of understanding uh, marketing uh, advertising. Sure. All right, yeah. uh, because that's very important uh, to to let them know that you know part of the mar uh, marketing campaign or advertising is based on facts. Mm -hmm. So if McDonald says there is a quarter pound burger in our uh, restaurants, that basically implies it's there. Yeah. And if it says there is lettuce and tomatoes, it's there. So but if they the say, <laughs> yeah, those are the facts. But when they're saying you know this is the best burger experience you'll ever have, that's may not be the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it depends on the individual, how they uh, like burger and what's their taste profile. So many other factors. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. So I guess something we need to consider is our home environment, that that's what we can control. Um, and so uh, as, as much as it's, it's difficult with that pester power, thinking about um, what foods we are bringing into our homes and knowing that some of those messages about best burger or best cereal aren't necessarily true and so so kind of being aware of those things definitely and the other part of education is not only in terms of advertising but also in terms of product placement and endorsement ah. endorsement is a big factor in kids decisions or children's decisions right. when they see their idol using you know a very expensive high branded t-shirt or you know they're eating fancy burger uh, those influence uh, children more than anything else. So f it's very important for parents to say that, look, you know, your idol or that singer or that pop star, uh, when they're eating at McDonald's or somewhere else, they're doing it for a reason. Right. Uh, they're getting paid or it's part of their contract. Mm -hmm. uh, so just because they're doing it, you should not do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's very important to educate children uh, in those space also. Uh, kids spend way more time on internet now than on TV. And internet, you know, these kind of promotions are pernicious. Uh, and it's very important for us to train or educate our kids uh, in terms of uh, what happens in the internet and how products are promoted on, in the internet. Mm -hmm. 
So the better idea might be to think in terms of getting them involved in making a list, shopping list, uh, before you go to the store. Right, yeah. uh, that might be a much better way to influence or uh, taking their influence into account and getting them, empower them. Mm -hmm. Uh, because a lot of the time, especially kids who are, let's say, a little bit older, say seven or eight years old, they want to have some power in their decision making. They want to have a say. So if you can make them involved in a productive way, in a way that is helpful for the family, it's definitely uh, like, you know, better for, better at the end. Yeah. So I have a question. A lot of the... Um a lot of the foods we see that are marketed to kids are typically foods that are, are less healthy. They, they tend to be higher in fat, sugar, and mm -hmm. salt. Um, but interestingly, at the grocery store last night, my bananas mm -hmm. had a little sticker mm -hmm. from the Incredibles movie on it. Yeah. So does marketing healthy foods work, or is it just these, these less nutritious foods that seem to be marketed? Marketing healthy foods will uh, works. The challenge here is that, like you know, at the end of the day, what makes a food what makes anything tasty? Uh, there are three things: sugar, salt, and fat. Uh, and all these three things, if you add a lot, uh, the food will become tastier. Yeah. It's easier to market a food that is tasty than a food that is not really tasty. Huh? Now, that again, I go back to the idea of developing the taste profile. So if your kid is used to that kind of taste profile, they like fruit and vegetables, there's a very good possibility that, you know, when they're in the store, they're not going to get uh, really uh, demanding you know, when you go to the cereal aisle. Uh, so that's very important. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, uh, if you look at the situation, um, uh, the advertisers do spend an inordinate amount of money promoting this kind of food which are not healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, but the thing is that those foods are also the food that, in general, consumers crave. So it's an easy uh, correlation or easy setup where you promote this kind of food. Yeah, it helps the bottom line of the, the business. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'll give you an example where we are seeing a lot more growth and it's actually affecting our health in many different ways uh, is the growth in the snacking categories. Yeah, uh, if you look at food of all the food categories in the store shelf, uh, packaged food category are not doing that well nowadays. Uh, even cereal. Uh, we are actually not consuming as much cereal as we used to. So cereal growth rate, growth rate in sales of cereal has sort of plateaued and in some cases is declining. Uh, where we have seen growth, where say Kellogg's and General Mills are investing a lot is in the st snacking category. Mm -hmm. Now a lot of the snacking category, the really interesting aspect is that when the snacks are in a small package, they're technically you can say they're healthy, like you know they're not adding a lot of calories, right. a lot of the time they have nuts. But snacking is a food category which we don't really think when we are eating. Right. Huh? In between meals, and these are the uh, scenarios where we are not consciously making decisions. We are we are just going for it because it's there. A lot of the th time we think, oh, this is a small package or a small amount. It's not going to add a lot of calories to my diet. Yeah. But when you add up, they uh, like you know you, you tend to eat a lot of snacks. Yeah, we can definitely vouch for that at the Guelph yeah. Family Health Study. We've mm -hmm. done uh, some analysis in snacking in the mm -hmm. children and found out that one-third of the calories in the preschoolers' diets come from snacks. Mm -hmm. um, and 
and sometimes they're not of great nutritional quality. And having said that, thank mm -hmm. you so much for joining us today and for talking to us all about marketing to kids. I'm sure the, the families will really appreciate getting that perspective about um, sort of next time their, their grocery trip might be a little bit different. Yeah. So we learned a lot about marketing and how marketers have figured out that kids are susceptible to their messages and make it sometimes quite difficult to get out of the grocery store without those uh, quote unquote kid friendly products. Um, so as always, we have our top three tips for you. Um, so Eli, start us off. So our first tip after this podcast episode is to make a shopping list with your children before going to the grocery store. So thinking about what's going to be purchased at the grocery store uh, before going and doing it may result in less conflict at the store uh, and explaining to your, to your children why certain foods shouldn't be uh, purchased or consumed in excess uh, might be a helpful conversation before actually going and buying it. And the second one is talk to your kids about fact versus fiction. And so talking to your kids about which parts of how a product is being marketed has to do with what's being what's actually in the product, so ingredients and the nutrition label, versus some claims that the company could be making about how their product is better than others or uh, will impact their child in uh, in ways that's not actually true. And endorsements is another really important um, factor that you should be discussing with your children. They think that a product will be better be simply because they're. Uh, favorite sports star or some famous person that they look up to look up to is consuming it make sure that you can explain to your children that this is actually part of that person's job and their responsibilities and finally think about snacking marketers have figured out that snacking is a whole other way to access us access us throughout every waking hour. We're snacking more and we know that um, snacks specifically make up about a third of children's um, daily intake. So take a look at those small uh, snack packages and remember that they do add up. They're usually considered healthier just because they're in a smaller package. So really think about your snacking and remember that marketers have figured that out as well. Um, until next week, this has been Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. We can't wait to tune in with you later. This episode marks the last in the first season of the Healthy Habits Happy Homes podcast. Thanks for listening in to it with us. While Eli and I were the faces, or should I say voices, of the podcast, there are many people behind the scenes that do deserve our most sincere thanks. First, our fearless editors, Tori Ambrose and Becky Bro. Research and fact-checking was provided by Jess Haynes, Angela Wallace, Lisa Tang, Nick Carroll, Jesse Burns, and Alex Carrero, and social media and technology support was provided by Sabrina Douglas, Valerie Hruska, and Angela Annis. Season 2 of the Healthy Habits Happy Homes podcast will be launching in January, and we can't wait to have you listen in with us then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. We can't wait to have you tune in with us next week. But in the meantime, if you'd like to connect, you can visit our website, www.guelphfamilyhealthstudy.com or visit us on Facebook at Guelph Family Health Study. Thanks and have a great week.